0: All right, guys. Well, this morning, we are in the book of Philippians. Just kidding. All right. Just kidding. All right. (laughs) Jeremy's way off. So uh, um, Colossians, yes, we're still in Colossians. We're in Colossians together. I get an opportunity to bring the word to you this morning. I'm excited about that. I love, love the book of Colossians. Um, Because it's so Christocentric. It's so focused on Christ. And I love that. So from front to end, it's just saturated with just a picture of Christ Jesus. So I love the book of Colossians. Um, Pastor Josh has led us, Jerry has led us. And now we find ourselves this morning, chapter 2. And we're starting in verse 16. And we're going to actually, our passage is pretty short this morning. Um, Jerry had a long passage last week. Our passage is is, is much shorter this week. We're just going to look at. 2, 16, and we're just going to take it to the end of the chapter 23. So 16 through 23, we're looking at chapter 2, Colossians. Um, If you're there, I'm going to read our passage. I'll pray for us, and then we'll begin looking at this passage this morning, okay? All right, so here's what it says. Therefore, that's always important. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, Or with regard to festivals or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions and puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All right, let's pray. Lord, um, we are thankful this morning that we have the opportunity together to open your word. And so, Lord, as we do, and over these literally next few minutes together, oh, Lord, we don't have much time, we have a few minutes together in your word, I pray that you would open our eyes to see wondrous things of who you are. And Lord, I know that's going to happen because your word, your word, and especially in Colossians, just reveals you in such a powerful way. And so, Lord, would you open our eyes to see you? As your word reveals you, would you open our eyes to see you? And then, Lord, would you teach us your ways that we might walk in them? So this morning, Lord, as we open your word, open our eyes. Let us see you, Lord, and may you draw our hearts to worship you, and then teach us your ways, that we may go and walk in your ways in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus and pleasing unto you. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. All right, so before we begin, I'm gonna, uh, some of you, I think all of us, probably the majority of us in this room have been together for the last three weeks, now four, today. Um, Some of you may be new today and just jumping in. So what I'd like to do is take just a moment and just kind of give a quick context summary of what we've heard and where we are. So just real quick, going back to what we've seen already, I just want to just kind of lay out again where we are. And it's going to be helpful, I think, because our passage starts with the word, therefore, therefore. And that always points backwards. It's saying there's something that now, therefore, needs to happen, or therefore, something should be. So we're going to look back, and then we're going to look at our passage. So first, uh, just by way of reminder, this is a letter written by whom? Yes, apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, persecutor of the church, right? He was a persecutor of the church, but saved in a powerful encounter with the ascended Christ, who not only saved him, if you remember, but commissioned him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So that's our Paul. And not only that, he said, I will also show you how much you must suffer. That's a commission right there. That's kind of scary. I'm going to show you that you're going to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and I'm going to show you how much you must suffer for my name's sake. That doesn't alarm anybody? That would alarm me. If God called me and said, I'm going to tell you, Jeremy, I need you to take the gospel there, but I'm also going to show you how much you've got to suffer. Okay. Maybe not at y'all. That would scare me. All right, so now Paul is in prison writing this letter. So now, currently, he's writing this letter to a church in the small town of Colossae. He's never met them. He's never been there. But he's heard about them from whom? Anybody remember? What's his name? (laughs) Whatever that guy's name was, (laughs) I'm sure he was nice. (laughs) He was a good young man. I remember that. Okay, so, <laughs> well, well, so he heard from, what's his name, um, one of the disciples, Epaphras, <laughs> of of um, <laughs> one of Paul's disciples, um, and the one who started the church, he had brought news from Colossae of what God was doing there, and it was encouraging Paul's heart. He told them about their faith and their love. <laughs> I love it. Um, So so Paul wanted to ensure that they who had received Christ Jesus the Lord were also... And if you remember um, Josh Powell, on our first time together, our first looking at this book, he said this this verse right here, and it was chapter 2, verse 6, kind of summarizes, or this is the main point of why Paul was writing this letter. He said Paul wanted to ensure that they who had received Christ Jesus would also now walk in Christ Jesus. He wanted them to be rooted and built up in Christ and then established in their faith and abounding in thanksgiving. That's the reason why he wrote this. So he's writing these these believers in Colossae, hasn't met them but heard from that guy, and now he wants them to be rooted in Christ Jesus, established in their faith and abounding in thanksgiving. So, so far in our letter, and this is awesome. I mean what God what, what Paul has established already is really a foundation of faith. Uh, Paul's normal uh, writing style is he builds a foundation of faith. He establishes truth first. who is Christ? Who are you in Christ? What has Christ done for you? And then he, then he turns and says, therefore walk in such a way. That's Paul's normal. Here's Christ. Here you are, here's what Christ has done for you, now therefore walk. So he has built, in this last two chapters, a firm foundation. So he first starts off thanking them for their faith, love for one another. He shared with them his prayer for them. You remember he prayed for them, that they would walk in a manner pleasing unto the Lord. And then he shared with them that they should be thankful, giving thanks, he said to God, for what God had done powerfully. God had qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He had, and this is important for us in our, in our passage today, he had already delivered them from the domain of darkness. And he had not only delivered them, he transferred them into the kingdom of his beloved son. So just firm foundation. What has God done? He's qualified you, he's delivered you, he's transferred you into his own kingdom of his son. And then he also has to, he provided a powerful description of Christ. I don't know if you remember when Josh went through that a powerful description of Christ because they were coming from this um, culture of other gods. And so he goes, let's remember who Christ is, who is Christ. And so he gives this amazing picture of Christ, image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, all things created through him, before all things, in him all things hold together, head of the church, Firstborn from the dead, made peace by his blood. I mean, powerful picture of Christ, right? So he gives you, God has done this for you. Here's whom he has done that through. Here's Christ, and here's Christ in preeminence. And then he went on to tell them, what has Jesus done? He's redeemed us. He's making peace by his own blood. He's reconciled us to himself a blameless and above reproach, just building and building and building this foundation of truth and who God is, who Christ is, and who they are. And then Paul shared about his own sufferings. Remember that he shared about how much, because he said, How much you have to suffer. He said, I have been suffering, but what's the purpose of those sufferings? He says, I, He rejoices in his sufferings because he says they are filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Not that there's not anything insufficient in Christ's afflictions, but he's doing this for the sake of the church. So, what does that mean? When people see us suffer as believers for the gospel of Christ Jesus, they see us suffer for the gospel of Christ Jesus. It's a picture for them of the sufferings of Christ. When they see us suffer for the gospel, it's a picture for them of the sufferings of Christ Jesus. Our sufferings point to the sufferings of Christ and give validation to the gospel of Jesus and his sufferings for our sins. So he says, I rejoice in my sufferings because they make valid and powerful way the sufferings of Christ, his death for sin and forgiveness of your sins. Powerful. He also shared about his calling. If you remember, so Paul is saying, this has been my calling. I'm a minister on their behalf to make the word of God fully known. And he talked about that mystery hidden for ages, right? But now revealed. What is the mystery revealed? Yeah, Jesus, Christ in you, in who? The Gentiles of all people. This is, this is the good news, the mystery hidden. Now Christ in you, the Gentiles, that they may now come to full maturity in Christ, right? So then Paul just addressed their personal situation. He builds the firm foundation. He's building the firm foundation, building the firm foundation, and then he kind of just pivots a little bit and he starts to address their personal situation. Anybody remember from Jerry last week what they were dealing with, their personal situation? What was happening in their context? Yes, absolutely. False teachers had come in. Some call them the visitors. (laughs) Not not welcome visitors. Um, Visitors had come and visited them. False teachers had come in and were teaching and adding to something on top of Christ Jesus. So he wanted them. Paul now wants them to realize one thing. All they need is Jesus. He doesn't need any additions to Jesus. You just need Jesus. Whoa. That might have been the bacon. I don't know, but... (laughs) I didn't have... I got the water. Thankful. Whoa. Okay. Man. So he wants them... (laughs) They need, he says, all you need is Jesus. So now he gives them three warnings. He gives them three warnings regarding those false teachers who have come into their midst and are te- teaching additions to Christ. So the first warning he gave us, and Jerry gave it to us last week, he said, I do not want anyone, no one to delude you with plausible arguments, right? I don't want anyone to lose you. So let no one, this is Warren, take them captive by philosophy and empty deceit, right? Jerry walked up through that last week. Great. And then again, so what's, what was his answer to that? Don't, don't fall captive to the philosophies. He went back to Christ. Remember Christ again. He just keeps building this foundation. So then he says, in Christ, the fullness of the deity dwells bodily, that's a good reminder for me also to touch mine. Okay. Uh, in Christ, the fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and they have been filled in him who is the head of all authority. He's basically saying in the fullness of Christ, who is the fullness of God, now fills you fully. That's powerful. You don't need philosophies or these empty you know, promises and this, this deceit that they're, 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 they're teaching. He says you have the fullness of Christ who is the fullness of God. Right? And He has filled you fully with Him. So you need nothing else. And then He says, you're now free. You're free to put off the body of the flesh, the old ways of life, because they've been buried with Christ. Right? They've been buried with Christ in His death, which is pointing to baptism, and He raised with Him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. So literally, He's saying, you have been raised from the dead unto life. You were dead, you died with Christ, old man perishes, raised with the resurrection, now the new life begins. Like you're a new creation. They've been forgiven. He says your sins have been forgiven. Um, Literally cancel the debt, just wiped it. It means to wipe clean the record of the debt that stood against them. He set it aside, no longer against them. Where did he place it? He placed their debt where? On the cross. Man, he nailed it to the cross. Forgiven, right? And then he says they have not only been forgiven, redeemed by the blood of Jesus on the cross, forgiven, wiped away the debt, but then he says you've also been delivered from the power of evil. This is like this is huge. <laughs> these believers, he's strengthening them. Do you hear? He just keeps strengthening. Don't fall prey to the philosophies and deceits of these ones that have come in, but he's just strengthening them. They have been delivered from the power of evil. Rulers, the rulers and authorities of this world have been disarmed. Literally, they have no more power. They've been put to shame. Remember Jerry talking about that? In the triumph of Jesus, in the triumph of Jesus. Literally, the procession puts them to shame. They have no power, and they've been disarmed. And now they have been delivered from the power of the evil one. And then we get to our passage, right? this, This is what's been happening in this letter. This is a letter. That's a good letter. So far, I'd be like, that's good stuff, you know? If you're reading that letter, that's good. I mean, so now Paul continues his letter. He starts talking. that's why there's a therefore. You want to know what that therefore is? Therefore, he's building, he's building, and he's building. And so now he's warned them of the philosophies. He's giving them this picture of Christ Jesus, that Christ has delivered them from the power of evil. He's canceled their debt and their sin. They were dead, now they're alive. And then he gives another warning. He gives three warnings against these false teachers. He gives three warnings. That was the first. The second is, he says, let no one. He used that word, no one. just repeated three times. Let no one deceive you with these philosophies. And he starts again. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. So this is our passage today, 16. Let no one pass judgment on you. They, there, these ones coming in were literally judging the believers. They, they said something is missing. They're like, and so they were thinking, what's missing, right? They're young believers, right? Paphras is left and gone. They're, they're there on their own. And then all these guys come in and they're thinking, well, maybe we are missing something, right? Maybe there is some addition to, to Christ. And so he says there's, and they're basically just saying there's other things that are there to strengthen your faith and you're missing it. You're missing this higher step, this deeper spiritual. And, the, and they say there's things that you've got to realize are forbidden for you to do, and there's some things you must do. They're demanded that you do them. So he basically said there's things that are forbidden, there's things that are demanded. The thing that's forbidden is food and drink. Right? There was some food, there was some drink. They said these certain foods and drink were forbidden, right? Can't, 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 you can't obtain spiritual perfection if you're taking part in this food and drink right? You need to, basically, you'll see this a number of times. It points to asceticism. You know what asceticism is? It's self-denial as a means of gaining value before God. Literally, you withhold something from yourself, right? To gain value before God and sometimes even in the wrong hearts, that's the wrong heart too, others, between others. So he says, basically some of these people have come in and said they're using this ascetic lifestyle they're saying deny yourself deny yourself these things and you'll and you'll you'll experience a deeper spiritual experience that you're missing right now you're missing it but they but but, but but if you're missing it because you're taking part in these food and drinks but if you hold back if you withhold from yourself these things almost like our fasting but for the wrong reasons they're wanting, they're, some of the commentators said some of them are wanting to do this so that they might experience and God might bless. They say, God will bless us with some visions and dreams of who he is and we'll get to experience him in a whole new manner. right? Beyond the truth of what they have, they're saying there's something more. And you can, you can attain it, but you've got you to withhold. You've got to hold back from this food and drink, withhold that, and seek out him, and he'll start to give you these being, visions and dreams to take part in. Second thing he says, so food and drink. The second thing he says is um, you must take part in certain festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths, right? Which would have pointed back to the Old Testament. These are some of these things were pointed to in the Old Testament, like Sabbath, new moon, festival. They they were there for a reason. Um, they were temporary, but they were there in the Old Testament. But now they're saying these things are essential to you experiencing this enlightened and spiritual perfection. And not only is it the Jewish thing, some say that they've even added some, some of their own like animistic beliefs into there. So, even, so this, this ties you into this spiritual realm out there that enlightens you and gives you this experience that you're, you're missing. And if you miss it, man, you, you miss the whole thing. And so now these, these new believers, these ones in Colossae are starting to wonder, are we missing, are we missing something? Right? Are we not experiencing everything that we're supposed to experience? Right? What does Paul say? And now Paul speaks into that. These, these things, right? The festivals, the new moon, Sabbaths, these things, they are just a shadow. They're just a shadow. They, they were meant for a purpose, right? In their time, in the Old Testament, they are very purposeful. What was their purpose? To point to something to come. They're a shadow pointing to someone or something to come, right? They were temporary, but they had a purpose. They're pointing to something. So they were there for a purpose, right? It was important they did these festivals. They're they were important that they celebrated these things. They're important, they, but he said it was pointing always to something or someone. And what does he say they're pointing to? Right there. But the substance of these things. This is just a shadow. There's no substance to it. There's no reality to it other than it's pointing to a reality. It's pointing to something solid. They're not solid, but they're pointing to something solid. What is the substance that these things belong to? What is it pointing to? Christ. Again, right? That's where Paul's going to go. right answer almost every time in Colossians is... Christ, right? Because he's going to keep going there. So that's what he says. They're, these things, that they put their hope in. Now they've, they've kind of developed these things out in the festival. You need these things. And then he said, these were just a shadow of things to come. But they were pointing to something of substance. Something that belongs to Christ. Christ is the reality. These things are, and he's come. <laughs> he's come. In him are to be found all the treasures of spiritual fulfillment. Right, You're looking for a spiritual fulfillment, but he's already told you. Remember our passage before? You have been filled with the fullness of Christ, who is the fullness of God, and he's filled you fully. They're trying to add to it the spiritual fulfillment. And he says, it's not there. It's not there. You already have it. It's Christ. The heart of the visitor, the heart of the the false teacher is that Christ is Is not enough. That's what he reveals, that Christ was not enough. Christ was not enough. So they have to find something else. They added on something. So Paul speaks against that and says, let no one pass judgment on you in Christ. You have. You have the substance. They are chasing after shadows. Okay? Third, third warning from Paul right here. Let no one disqualify you. Let no one disqualify. Now it's a qualification. Right, first they're judging them. You know that they only believe in Christ. They haven't had all these other experiences. They only believe in Christ. You're missing it. So now they come at them. No one disqualified you. Their faith is being challenged again. You do not have the right thing. You maybe have the right thing. You just need more things. And so, but what has what has Paul already told them in chapter one, verse twelve? We already looked at. It. What did God do for them already in Christ? You remember he qualified them to share in the inheritance of the light right he's already qualified them so he's reminding them you're already qualified in christ but they are coming to disqualify you again what are they looking towards they're looking towards asceticism right again there's that word insisting on things denials to the body they want to they say again this is how you experience enlightenment this is how you get to that quasi-mystical spiritual realm as you you, uh, you deny the self, you hold back, but so you can experience the next, this next level. And then they also, what do they do? So again, it's the asceticism, maybe going back to the food and drink again. You've got to cut that off. This is how you're going to experience it. And then it goes into going on and on and on about what? Visions, right? So basically, these guys are they're, they're saying, we've had visions, Right? We've seen things that you haven't seen. God's revealed stuff to us that you haven't revealed because you're not experiencing because you haven't, you haven't cut yourself off from these other things. But because we have, we've now seen visions, right? And they're adding on to Jesus again. They basically said, if you haven't experienced these visions, you're lacking something in your faith. You're lacking it again. Christ is not enough. So insisting on asceticism, going on in detail about visions, and then what happens? Then he attacks them specifically, and he says these false teachers, these visitors are puffed up, literally prideful. They've become prideful because they've experienced these visions. Now they think, okay, I have experienced the visions. I have experienced these experiences. They're puffed up without reason, and he says by their sensuous minds. Literally, they're puffed up with visions that they themselves developed, not from God. By their own minds and, and desires, which are fleshly and, 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 and ungodly, he says, they, these visions have come from themselves. And so they're by their own sensuous minds, and they puff them up. They walk in pride, judging others and disqualifying others if they too have not experienced what they have experienced. And then Paul comes to a really, I mean, like there, in, in my notes, I highlighted this next statement, right? Because I think this is, the, is the, probably the point where Paul strikes the hardest. I think this is when he gets to the heart of the false teacher. One, puffed up without reason, these guys are by their own they're strength. Just, they're just telling you things that are in and of themselves. But then he goes, and they do not hold fast to the head. And that's powerful, guys. Because what has he been telling them this whole time? The Colossians. Hold fast to the head. Who is the head? That's the answer every time in Colossians. That's the answer every time in Colossians. Christ is the head. He's already told us that. Chapter 1, right? He's the head of the church. Right? He's already told us. So then he says, not holding fast to the head. And this, this is the danger. Literally, these false teachers have lost contact with the head. Right? They've lost contact with Christ Jesus. They've they've so far moved on into these new experiences, they no longer hold on to the head who is Jesus. Now they put their faith and trust in in what? Visions, things of their own doing, in their own sensual minds, the things they've conjured, right? But they lost contact with the head. Do you remember, uh, I love the statement Josh Powell makes. Uh, I've heard him make it twice on Wednesday nights. I think he may have made it here on Wednesday morning. Uh, when we first started this. But if, have you ever heard if if the if the the sun and the earth, if they'd become untethered, right? If the sun and the have you heard him say that if the sun and the earth were ever to come untethered, what would happen? Like we are in need of one another. We keep ourselves in orbit. We keep ourselves right together. But if the sun was ever to become untethered from the earth, chaos, destruction, right? Same here. They have become untethered to the head, right? So what leads then is to destruction. So this is, this is the pointed statement that Paul is making, not holding fast to the head. And then he takes the opportunity to tell you again, who is this head, right? Christ Jesus. He is the one in whom the whole body, the whole church, the whole body of Christ, all believers, right, are all under this head, right? Right? And if they are under the head, there is health and there is vitality. Because he says, then from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, what happens is built up, right? Nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments. It then grows with a growth that is from God. So you get this picture. He gives you a picture of what is health. Here's the false teachers. They're bringing in false teaching. Leads to destruction, Right? But here's what health looks like. is tethering yourself, holding fast to the head from the whole body of believers, right? Nourished, knit together through its joints and ligaments. I love that passage right there. He, Paul says a very, very similar thing in Ephesians four sixteen When he talks about the body again, he uses that imagery. He uses even the parts of the body, the ligaments and the joints working together. He said um, when they are working properly, the joints and the ligaments, which was us, when those parts are working properly, what happens? It builds itself up in love. Literally, the body is good for one another. When we're using our gifts and talents and skills for the good of the body, he says God uses that and he builds his body up, but not without the head. If we try to do that on our own, it doesn't work. But under the head, it works because he's the one who gives the power. So it's a beautiful, I love. I really do, I love this picture of the body, right? Given in Ephesians 4, given here. Christ is the head, knit together through its joints, like literally knit together. And then it says it grows with a growth that comes from God. That's the power, right? God working in Christ and through the members of the body, it then grows. It's built up to maturity. Built up to maturity. So what is, Christ, what is, what is Paul saying so far? Christ is the reality. Christ is the substance, right? Christ is the head of the church. And without Christ, there is no growth. No matter what anyone promises, it is Christ and Christ alone, right? The church in Colossae did not need what these visitors were teaching. In fact, they needed to avoid it. They desperately needed, though, what they already had, which was who? Christ. Christ. They needed desperately to hold fast to the head. Right? And they needed one another, the body. That's what they needed. All right, last little bit, okay? And then we close out. 10 o'clock. Okay. If with Christ, then he goes, now this is where Paul goes to a question. He's given us three warnings, and now Paul comes to his question: if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, then why? I, I love Paul here. Why? Right? If you've died to these things already then why, I always put emotion to Paul, I, mean, I think he's an emotional guy, why do you submit to the regulations like do not handle and do not taste and do not touch? These refer to things that perish and they're according to human precepts and teachings. So basically Paul again says, if with Christ, or you may, your translation may say, since you have died with Christ already, and he's pointing back to his passages, right? He's pointing back up there again, therefore, right? He points back up to 2.12, 113, 2.15, 2.10. Let me just read them to you, right? He said, you have been buried with him in baptism, meaning you have died with him already. The old man has perished. He's gone. One thirteen, you have been delivered from the domain of darkness. You're already out of that. You've been delivered from the domain of darkness. 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. You are free from the bondage of those authorities. They no longer have power over you. He's already disarmed them. And then 2.10, you have been filled, again, in him who is the head, who he says is, holds all rule and authority. He says, if you are, if these things have already occurred in your life, then why, right? He like, says, this is what's already occurred. Why do you look then for something more? It's almost as a realization, right? He wants them to realize that. When there's a question in the Bible, right, he wants you to think. The writer wants you to think for a minute. So he's writing this letter for them to think, bring them to a realization. What has happened? I remember, I just, I'll show this real quick. Church, when we lived and worked overseas, we had planted a church, and we left that church in the hands of a young church planter, local guy. We leave. We come back two years later, okay? Church is going, hear good things, great, 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 great. We come back two years later, checking in, how's everybody doing, right? That was a long time, probably should have come back sooner. But um, somebody else is supposed to be looking in. <laughs> so um, we come back though, and the first thing we see is the church is split. And I'm going, wait a minute. When I left you, there was joy, I mean, unbelievable joy. There was unity of faith, I mean, Christ was the head of this, right? You were working together. There's health in this body. And now I come back and there is just like huge split, right? Huge split. And there's anger on both sides. There's no unity. There, there, I mean like anger is not even a close word. They were so upset with one another. And I remember, I said, I want them together. <laughs> I want them together. So we called the two groups together, and I remember us sitting down in this home. And all all we had to do, all we had to do when we got them together is go, do you remember? Do Do you remember what this used to be like? Do you remember what established you was Christ Jesus? A false teacher had come in and literally tore it apart. They broke down weeping, literally weeping. All they needed was somebody to go, if you died with Christ, why are you continuing to do this? Why do you continue to look back to the things of man when Christ in his fullness has filled you fully? You've already died to these things. You're now alive to Christ. Why are you looking to these other things? All it took was somebody to ask the question, what are you doing? Do you remember? Right? That's what Paul's doing here. He's just asking the question. Right? If you've already died with Christ, then why? That's a big why. Are you still alive in this world? Don't keep following up to the things of this world. You've already died to them. He's already freed you from them. You need nothing, right? Except Christ and his body. You don't have to go on with the regulations like do not handle or do not taste or do not taste. You have Christ. These things are according to the human things, but I'm telling you, you have Christ, right? He said these might have an appearance of wisdom. I remember that group, when, they, when we talked later, they said, it came in, we thought it was good. They thought it was good. It had, a, it had a, a bit of truth and a bit of light, but a lot of darkness. We thought it was good, right here. It has an appearance of wisdom. These things look good. Philosophies, they look like a good idea, Right? Holding back to experience more, denying self, so you can experience more of God, looks like a good idea, right? Looks like that would get you closer to God. Except when it's what you're depending on and not depending on Christ. It looks like it has an appearance of wisdom, but all it does is promote a self-made religion. It puts the emphasis on us and not on Christ. On what we do and not what Christ has done. And that's what Paul just continues to go back to. What has Christ done? What has Christ done? What has Christ done, right? And so he says, in this self-made religion, asceticism, denying the self, severity of the body, punish the body, they are of no value. Paul gets hard here, right? They're of no value. And they will not stop or put off. they They have no power to stop the indulgence of the flesh, right? In fact, they do the very opposite. They build up and puff up with pride because you are doing something instead of depending on what Christ has done. Do's and don'ts do not change us. Regulations and rules cannot make you put off or put on an old man, right? What they have, again, is what they need, which is Christ. Yes, they need Christ. So let's just remember this, okay? They are, and this is what Paul is trying to tell you, you, church in Colossae, you are free, right? You are free. You can put off the body of the flesh, the old ways of life. You have been freed from these things. You have been buried with Christ in his death. And you have been raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. They were dead, remember, and made alive. Right? They have been forgiven of their sins by canceling the record of debt that stood against them and they placed it again, remember, on the cross. They have been delivered from the power of evil. Rulers have been disarmed. They've been put to shame in Christ, the fullness of the deity dwells. They have been filled in Him who is the head of all authority and they need nothing else. Right? They need nothing else. So let me close with this. Three sentences. Maybe something for us today, right? How do, we, how do we take this and go, okay, what does that mean for me? Three things. May we today be sobered by the warnings of Paul, right? Even today, there are false teachers, those who would, who would lead you to think there is something more you need other than Christ. Be sobered by that warning and be aware that we are not taken captive by false teachers, right? Be sober-minded, right? Be aware. Second, may we be strengthened today. This is what Paul is wanting to do there. Strengthened today by these truths of who Christ is, what Christ has done, that we are now in Christ, and Christ is in us in the fullness of us, and who we are in him. So be strengthened today with these truths. And the third is just an exhortation, right? Just an exhortation from this word. They had lost their connection. The false teachers had lost their connection with the head, right? They had become untethered to the head, Christ Jesus. So my exhortation to you today is hold fast to the head. Hold fast to Christ Jesus. Hold fast to Christ Jesus, right? And because he says he's the head of the body and the body works together, right? Then hold fast in the body of believers, We need one another so that God may grow us up with His growth, not of our own, but His, to hold fast to Christ. Let me pray for us. Oh Lord, (laughs) I love you, and I'm so, so thankful for your word. And I'm thankful that it reminds us, it reminds us, and it reminds us of the truth of who you are, <laughs> Lord, you have delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your very own Son. We are now qualified, we are qualified to take part in the inheritance of light. And so, Lord, I'm thankful for what you are doing. Lord, I'm thankful how your Word points us and points us and points us to your Son, Jesus, who has brought us from death Unto life. He has truly put our sins upon the cross and they have been wiped away, forgiven, Lord, set aside, and we have been freed. Lord, you have delivered us from the powers of this world so that we may now walk in a manner that is pleasing unto you, pleasing unto you, and worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus. So Lord, as you have reminded us today, may we hold fast. Hold fast to Jesus together as the body of Christ. And Lord, would you grow us up, Lord, with your growth, not our own, so that we may display your glory here and amongst all peoples. And we pray this in your name and for your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys so much.